This podcast, The Two Mats, is sponsored as ever by the New European Newspaper. And we've got a very special subscription offer for you, a new one, where you can get a free bollocks to Brexit passport cover. That's right, you heard that right, folks. It's a burgundy, like vegan leather, beautifully designed passport cover. Pleather. To, to have pleather, that's what, that's what they call it, isn't it? Pleather. To hide your um, new British blue. The shame of the, the blue shame, The shame passport. of the blue passport. And you can get your free bollocks to Brexit passport cover free with a subscription to the New European from just £1 a week. So to take this fantastic offer, and trust me, if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love the New European, go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S, and there's a link in the show notes. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, I'm Matt Kelly. And I'm Matt Dancona. And this is The Two Mats for the week ending Friday the 6th of October. Matt, what did we uh, talk about this week? Well, we the first half we talked about Rishi Sunak and his attempts to upgrade himself as C3PM. Um, and we're looking forward to <laughs> how that goes. So we kicked about that about. And then I, I have to say, I think we got on to... I think we we moved up a gear this week, actually. I think, we should, I think we should consider changing the whole bloody format, to be I honest. mean, it, we got into... Really deep philosophical waters about sharks, electrocution, and death you know, row AI. Yeah. It was an astonishing. I mean, it was a very deep. Honestly, it was a landmark podcast episode. Do you I think we think should so. go into the? We might get higher up in the charts if we were in the philosophy category as well. I think we might get so, into the philosophy game. You so know? much competition in the news no, podcast <laughs> game now. Let's. We're going no, to shift to the two philosophers. philosophers. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it, we, we 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 obviously have a talent. I think, as listeners will, <laughs> are about to discover, say, it's yeah. our metier. That's it. Okay, so uh, it's great fun, and I hope you enjoy it, folks. So this is The Two Mats, episode 16. Called? Called? What are we going to call it? Um, either The Shark Episode. Oh, or yeah, The One With The Shark. The One With The Shark. The One With The Shark. Love it. Enjoy. Enjoy. So, Matt, what are we going to talk about this week? Well, I think inescapably we have to talk about Rishi Sunak, the changemaker, the fire starter, <laughs> uh, who in Manchester promised to a complete upgrade of the Tory party and thank by God. implication that, well, thank God, a grateful nation yeah. takes the knee. Thank you, Rishi. Um, <laughs> but for those listeners lucky enough to have escaped this, we're now yeah. going to inflict a quick clip. Poor, forgive us. The Prime listeners. Minister, sorry forgive about us. this. Today, we set a course for our education system that will set our children up for the opportunities of the future. No more rip-off degrees, no more low aspiration, no more denigration of technical education, just the best education system in the Western world. We will be bold, we will be radical, we will face resistance and we will meet it. We will give the country what it so sorely needs and yet too often has been denied, a government prepared to make long-term decisions so that we can build a brighter future for everyone. Be in no doubt, it is time for a change, and we are it. Thank you. All right. Okay, so that gives you an idea of yeah. what he was saying, which is he's running as a change candidate in mm. the coming election, which is, is mad. 
obviously very difficult if you represent the party that's been in power for 13 years. So, so let's pause there for a second, because that is the narrative everybody has, has been saying. But what's the counter-narrative that someone's telling him? This Why does this make sense? Ah, well, I, I did some calls after the speech, just because it, it was so ludicrous, it seems yeah. to me. You know, he's been a minister since 2018, right? And prime minister for nearly a year, and he's at the tail end, it would appear, of a long Tory era that started in 2010. How can you possibly persuade yourself, persuade anyone that, that you're the change candidate? And the, the, the argument that came back was interesting, if, if not entirely watertight, which is that their polls, they say, you, want, you always have to be a bit health warning on this. Their polls say that Sunak is polling ahead of the Tory party, which I imagine is not very hard. Yeah. I mean, lettuces may be polling ahead of the That's Tory right. party That's right true. now. Yeah. However, so they want a presidential style campaign. And they think, and I'm not sure this is correct, but they think that Sunak versus Starmer, as opposed to Labour versus Tories, yeah. gives them a shot. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that as a as a former betting person, you can see the odds certainly being more favourable for a Sunak versus Starmer shoot-off versus, yeah. you know, because Labour have consistently polled, you know, 20 points ahead of the Tories now for, yeah. for quite a long time, haven't they? It is interesting that there was... You know, his wife gave a very gracious uh, introduction to it before he spoke, and she referred to his youth. And yeah. That was no accident. Yeah. Um, he, you know, Sunak is still very young. He's 43. Yeah. Versus Keir Starmer, who's 61. Do you know what? That, you just saying that, obviously, I listen to these things as a punter quite often as well. And it's only just dawned on me, foolishly, that that was a play. And yeah. Because when she said... I, oh, I can hardly call him young anymore of a man in his 40s. Yes. I, of course, thought, well, of course he's still young. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, I was, being, I was being cleverly so, played. So w- what they'll do is they'll play on Starmer as a sort of um, representative. There was a very interesting phrase in the speech, um, which was which didn't get picked up. Sunak referred to the permanent state, which mm. is pure American MAGA. It's just one north of deep state. Yeah. And I think they'll present Starmer, uh, which is correct, factually, as the former director of public prosecutions, as someone who's steeped in the kind of what this new 30-year consensus that Sunak claims to be trying to defeat. Well, you, you t- talk to me, you, in, in your fantastic New European hot take yesterday, I, you brought this up about what happened what, 30 I'm, years ago. Where I'm baffled that come from? because 30 years ago is 1993, yeah. which sort of gets you into early <laughs> Britpop. It's the year so he's, he's like 14. Or 13, like he goes to 13. Winchester College in that year. Yeah, uh, But he acts as if, as if he and the whole nation suddenly suffered a great trauma That's in right. 1993. And ever since then, you know, it's 30 years of hurt, isn't it? Yeah. I can't really understand why 30. I mean, obviously... He wanted to incorporate Labour yeah. so that he wasn't just rebelling against his own fellow Well, I misheard him at first and thought he'd said 13, yeah. which, which, of no, course, would make absolute sense. That would sense make absolute sense. Because that's the length he, he of the Tory yeah. He was trying to imply it. But he goes back to John Major, which is bizarre. Yeah. John Major's already been in power in 1993 for three years. Yeah. And that is the date when it all started to go wrong, apparently, um, which is strange. Uh, and I, I can't offer any more analysis than that because... I think it's it was just a figure plucked from the air to bring in Labour, you know, the, yeah. the 13 years of Labour. Yeah. I mean, I think the problem he's got is like, there are manifold problems. But in a way, stepping back, the biggest is that there is this huge problem, which Gordon Brown faced in 2007, which is how do you renew an office? It's really hard. I mean, renewing an opposition is hard enough. But when you're in office, it's really difficult. Yeah. And. David Miliband and Gordon Brown sort of fought this barely concealed feud when Miliband was foreign secretary in the Brown administration over who was best placed to be that the the incarnation of renewal of office in office and it didn't work you know they they lost in 2010 so Sunak is it's a very big ask and I personally don't think that he in any way shape or form looks like a or sounds like a change candidate no um I mean the message he he was bringing in Manchester was quite thin, really. I mean, the, the main element in it was, we're not going to do HS2. You know, then there was a re-announcement of the net zero stuff. There yeah. was stuff about education, which we all know won't happen in on his watch, and a very personal, eccentric, anti-smoking proposal, which everyone, I think, can kind of line up behind on preventive medicine grounds. But you've sort of thought... Why is this guy coming up with this right now? Yeah. 
Because that will, that will, there's a certain faction in the Tory party Very who will just so. say the hell with that. Well, People should be able to do what they want. Clearly well-sourced reports in the papers today, Thursday, saying that Liz Truss is furious. And also he's arguing against himself, Sunak, because he himself shelved yeah. the ban on two-for-one junk food. That's right. That's so, right. Yeah. you know, why is obesity okay? So he sort of challenged that, didn't he? On the, he was challenged on the Today programme yes. this morning. We were Nick recording Robinson. this on Thursday. And Robbo said to him, uh, sorry, a bit over-familiar there, to the great Nick Robinson. That's, that's media talk, folks. So, so, so Nick Robinson said <laughs> Nick to him, Robinson. So Nick Robinson said to him, um, you know, what's, what's the difference? And he said, well, there is a clear difference. You know, it's like chemically addictive and so on and so forth. But actually, when you... When you look at the two challenges, if you're talking about them as a health challenge, there's no, there's no, no uh, profound difference. Not at all. And uh, I mean, that's what made me think this is quite arbitrary. It's yeah. Obviously, smoking is the kind of thing that someone, I'm sure, thinks that smoking is, you know, rather low life and just yeah. horrible. Yeah. Uh, and indeed, it is a horrible habit. But somehow watching him on stage saying that, I did wonder... If I was the parent of a child who's not struggling on, you know, the, the breadline, yeah, or I was worrying about how I'm going to pay my fuel, fuel bills this winter, and I see a multi-millionaire mm. prime minister, the richest MP in the country, who's been introduced by his billionaire wife, yeah, telling me, you know, that there's going to be restrictions on having a crafty burn if mm. you're in your teens. I'm not sure I'd respond that well. That pissed me off as well, but well, before we skip over it, is being lectured by the daughter of a billionaire about inspiration and aspiration yeah. and, and the, you know, hoping that the whole nation would have the same opportunities that yes. her daughter has. Fiona Miller, education expert and writer for The Guardian and occasionally for The New European, um, made the point, well, that, we, that would be at least four times the education budget right now if you came yes. close to giving everybody those opportunities so this kind of paternalistic very patronizing delivery i thought about how i am go i've arrived and my background gives me the credential to solve the uk's problems i was sitting there thinking your background eradicates the potential to solve the problems because you haven't got a bloody clue what real life is it, like it's a problem to be solved it's an exam question for exactly you know so we we read about his Addiction to spreadsheets. Yeah. Um, don't try them, kids. They're dangerous. Um, <laughs> yeah. they should they're ban highly that. addictive. They should ban them from 14 spreadsheets and news agents. Um, <laughs> and that, you know, it, it, his treasury officials are sort of overawed by this. But in fact, it tells you a great deal about how he sees everything, which is we're all just data yeah. to his, you know, very mechanical, economistic mind. We're all just things to be bets to take, funds to be hedged. You know, it's that's the way he sees the world. He can't help it. it yeah. That's that's what he's been doing since he left university, and it shows because you know rich people can be good populists. I mean, Trump won a presidential election. He thinks yeah. he won too. Yeah. You know, his kind of vulgar richness does reach out because Trump is the kind of rich person that impoverished people would like to be. Yes. Sunak is a reminder of why people hate the rich when they show off too much yeah, yeah. with his Bluetooth mug and his heated swimming pool. That's and right. It just doesn't work. And I think that it will be an issue. I don't, that's not necessarily articulated. I don't suppose many voters will go to the polling booths thinking, I'm not going to vote Tory because Rishish Sunak is married to a no. billionaire heiress. But they won't connect with him. That's the because thing. he doesn't connect. Yeah. I mean, the thing is that his whole manner is that he's waiting at the end of every sentence in interviews as well yeah. as, you know, speeches for an applause line. I've, listen, I've, mate, I've never heard anybody occupying that position or even any of the Secretary of State positions or anything being quite so brittle under under moderate interview pressure. You know, the way he snaps back and he can't wait to say his point and he can't wait to tell you why... You're wrong and he's right. And he can't wait to somehow articulate the cleverness of his position and the rightness of his position. And there's an utter absence of humility in him. He's Very much so. I, I can't remember who said that he dripped with vanity, but it's absolutely true. You know? And he's got this new formula, which is, well, which is essentially, well, what would you do? Yeah. So after net zero, he said, it's for others to say how they would you know, explain yeah. to people they're going to have to pay five, ten, fifteen thousand pounds. That's right. This yeah. mythical number that's been plucked out of the air. Yeah. 
And in the Today programme uh, interview we've been talking about, you know, he was sharp when challenged on the scrapping of the, the northern part of HS2 and said, you know, well, what would these people do uh, about the, the schemes I've come up with that I'm proposing instead, amounting yes. to 36 billion, he said out so the of his mouth. So that, that is the key word, is the, is the I the constant you listen to him there's never a, this is what we are doing no. this is what my team no. this is what the cabinet has decided it's all the decision i have taken i am going to do this i am going to say this i have decided and i am going to solve the problem there's a bit of a messiah complex there in is there. and 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 there's also quite a bit of tension between him and the party i, I mean, can they, imagine they gave yeah. him a reasonable reception yeah. in Manchester. But the truth is that there's a lot of anger in, in the membership of the Tory party that they weren't given a say on his f- final successful leadership bid. Yeah. And remember, they chose Liz Truss over him in 2022, right. first That's time right. out of the, yeah. the asking. And she was a huge star yeah. at the party conference, which tells you so much that is unbelievable, both about her and the do party. You, do you think there's, I mean, this is a unknowable question and it's a tough one, to ask and no he he keeps saying you know i'm the first um prime minister from an ethnic minority and the great thing well about the, that the is, first because disraeli because disraeli is, of yes. course jewish but he makes the point that the greatest thing about that is it's no big deal and i wonder whether that's true actually i wonder whether within the conservative party is it still a little bit racist is oh, there an undercurrent of more hang than, on a, more than a little bit right. racist yeah. i mean there's a kind of brazenness to a lot of the claims we heard in Manchester. When Kemi Badenoch says that Britain is the best country in the world to be a black person, I'm not a black person, so I can't, you know, yeah. comment on that. Yeah. But it, other people of colour have commented and said, are you kidding? Yeah. Uh, or it's not as good as being a white person, which is, of course, the, the correct metric. Yeah. Look, the Tory party is still, at, at minimum, a nativist party. Now, in the old sort of one nation Tory days that was very subterranean most of the time um you know when Enoch Powell gave his rivers of blood speech in 1968 he was a member of the shadow cabinet and he was sacked immediately yeah and that set a sort of barrier beyond which no one on either in either party by the way you know was was felt it was safe to go so just I I hadn't appreciated that the his ousting then was as immediate and direct consequence yeah, of that speech. He's just got rid of him immediately. Which shows you, doesn't it, just how things have changed. Yes. We, we think that we have become much more progressive. Not, but not, you've got Suella Braverman saying effectively exactly the same thing and and not only tolerated, but being scared of, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, Sudak got the leadership because of Suella Braverman. Mm. There's no question. On that weird Sunday in October when Boris Johnson was going to try and come back and run for the leadership. It was Salo Braverman's decision on the Sunday to say, I'm for Rishi. Yeah. That got her, her job back as Home Secretary and locked her in. I mean, people say she might be moved in the, the reshuffle. I'd be very surprised because she doesn't quite own Sunak, but she's got a huge amount of power. And also the party like what she's saying, I'm afraid. I mean, yeah. that all that language, invasion, you know, that it, it's a existential challenge, she said in the in the in the Washington speech that, that caused so much trouble. Yeah, the hurricane of the uh, hurricane yeah, of immigration. Yeah, yeah. You know, these are very dangerous. Yeah. Words. I mean, everyone of any decency knows that the language you use in this context in particular has real world consequences. Yeah. You know, and we've seen them. You know, we've seen a rise in. It was interesting. Braverman in her speech said she referred to Islamic terrorism, which is still an MI, MI5's annual report confirms it is still the main threat. But she didn't refer to the, the growing threat from far right terrorism in the UK, which is a serious issue right. and a growing one. Now, it would be absolutely wrong to say it's directly Suella Braverman's fault that that is so. Mm. But the problem is you create a permissive environment where it is it suddenly becomes possible to say the next worst thing yeah it's you know the home secretary is using that kind of language yeah this 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 brings me to another character flaw i think of sunak which is that i think he's a coward and i think when he was pressed this morning on the radio about do you agree with her words about immigration 
you talk about diversity and the dreams of of coming to the UK that you both both sets of parents Suella Bravman's parents and Rishi Sunak's parents held and came to this country and thrived and prospered and what's the difference between somebody in Tunisia wanting to, to or come on a boat or on a boat you know in terms of the dream what's the difference and do you, which of you is right Suella Bravman or you Rishi Sunak and he said well you know I've talk, he wouldn't answer the question couldn't answer the question and it's clear that he has a different view that's patently obvious I think but he hasn't got the courage to say she shouldn't talk like that it's inflammatory and unhelpful I think privately he does yeah but I think he's also quite happy for her to be an outlier yeah saying these things and yeah. appealing to the party base because you know one way of configuring all this, one way of framing it, is that Sunak does not want to go down to a disastrous defeat, as John Major did in 97, for example, yeah. or Corbyn did in 2019. You know, he doesn't want to be the Corbyn of, um, yeah. of, of modern Toryism. And so shoring up the base, which is exactly what a figure like Suella Braverman does, is very much to his advantage. Also, he is, Sunak is, a very cynical user of culture wars. I mean, during the leadership contests in 2022, he said often that the only thing he objected to about the Rwanda policy was it wasn't tough enough and he would do more of it. Yeah. So, you know, hence in the speech, the the line about we'll do whatever it takes to enact that policy, which is code for if I have to, we will leave the European Convention on Human Rights, which is, mm. a com- is total catnip to mm. Tory members. Um, you know, never mind the fact that you know it's it's totally morally wrong, but also completely incompatible with the Good Friday Agreement. Yeah. But he's he's throwing out these bits and of it, red meat, yeah. and he's prepared. He is prepared to double down on somebody else's badness just to yes. to say, hey, look at me, I'm like that. It yeah. reminds me a bit bizarrely when you when we think about that. I don't know if you remember when Rebecca. Brooks or Rebecca Wade, as she was at the time, became the editor of the Sun newspaper. And everybody said, oh, this will be the end of the page three girls. You know, there won't be any naked boobs in, in national newspapers now. Thank God. You know, we've got a woman at the helm. And she and on her first day, she came in with a big badge saying, I love page three. Double down. And it's double down on, yeah. on, on where people think you're negative. The theory goes, well, I'm going to double down on that to, because that's a small issue. But the bigger issue is I, I need to seem strong. Yes. And, and independent-minded. And I think that's what he's obviously trying to do. But he can't pull it off because he doesn't look or sound strong. The politics of racism are complicated too because it is patronising to suggest that a person of colour is incapable of saying things which will be you know, harmful to yes. other people of colour. Yes. I mean, everyone has free will. Yeah. You know, I, I always thought, much as I disliked intensely her policies, which now seem quite moderate compared to Swella Braverman's, when Priti Patel would say, you know, hang on a minute, that just because of my background yeah. doesn't mean that I'm in favour of open borders. Well, that's a fair point. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. you're still wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about the politics of racism, Nigel Farage was well, uh, floating around conspicuously. More, more than floating around, yeah. I think. I mean, it, it was fascinating, the conference in that, because... Sunak was not in command and control of this conference at all. I mean, first of all, there was the total disarray over HS2, which quite unnecessarily dominated the whole conference. And the second thing was that there was there was this kind of carnival sideshows going on everywhere. You know, Liz Truss's fringe event was a massive hit. Yeah. Farage was all over the place, doubling up as a GB News anchor host, sort of R. Tucker Carlson, but also as a kind of guru and to the point where when Sunak was asked would you let Farage back into the party you know given the damage that Farage did to the Tory party in all sorts of ways you'd have thought the answer is no Mm. but he said oh you know I welcome back anyone Mm. who shares our ideals which of course was an underarm ball to Farage who was then asked about it and he was able to sharply decline this well he sort of said well when the, when the Tory party lives up to my ideals yes. then I'll, I'll come yes. back in I mean yeah. I think he's we, we, we've said this before but he is he is a 
hugely consequential figure. Well, know? also, uh, let's say through gritted teeth as well, acknowledge, because it's important not to underestimate people. He is an enormously talented communicator. Yes, he, yes, he understands know. modern politics a lot better. I've seen him handle all sorts of people, yep. from Owen Jones to Piers Morgan or you know whoever in, in interview. And I've rarely seen anybody get the better of him when it comes to him getting his message across and appealing to who he wants to. And I thought he, from that point of view, this week... I think he sent so many dog whistles out that you know the whole place was barking for him. You know? Yeah, I mean, he's, he what he does is he he he's the one man ginger group. He he sort of sets the terrain. Yeah. So he did for Brexit, and he's doing it now on net zero. He got you know he's been at the net zero thing for years and asked for a referendum on net net zero you know quite a while ago, and at the time people said, oh, this is ridiculous. You know, what's he on about? And here we are. What is the first thing that Sunak does as part of his rebranding? Is he goes soft on net zero? It's a very interesting trajectory from Farage's mouth to Tory policy. It's not is a is a contracting distance. Yeah, um, he's a very very clever and astute politician, and he understands. You're right. He understands how to deal with people from all backgrounds. I remember when he started to really make an impression. Uh, one of the senior Cameroons this was back in the coalition days said to me, oh, Christ, he's like a nationalist Ken Clark. And that's, yeah, you know, that's not a bad yeah. way of describing him because he has that sort of blokish, cigar smoking, you know, likes a tipple thing. Aff- affability. Affability, yeah, you yeah. know, and, and I actually don't think he's particularly pleasant, but but I think he's very good at wearing a pleasant face. Yeah. And he has that sort of TV, He's you know, the speed with which he's taken to... TV presenting is is really impressive. I think he's. I mean, he's clearly uh, very clever and very accomplished and and very devious little bastard as well. And yeah. we now, so it does. Let's explore, throw things a little bit further forward, and ask ourselves like a question that would have seemed absurd five years ago. But is it possible? Do you think Farage re-enters the Tory Party? That's definitely possible. Gets a safe seat somewhere. That's definitely possible enters the shadow cabinet under Keir Starmer Labour government and is seen as the great hope for a resurgent Tory party on the right wing of British politics Look, and, 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 and even goes on to enter Downing Street. Since um, I saw Trump coming down a golden escalator in 2015, <laughs> I've stopped using the word never. Yeah, There are two, there are two reasons why that's, if not probable, mm. entirely plausible the first is that Farage is incredibly nimble you know he's had more parties than he's had hot dinners he 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 moves the the air around himself to fit the time you know and the need and the 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 message he's trying to and he has completely understood that the next phase of conservatism is going to be for want of a better word MAGA UK and that's his brand you know he he invented that Hence the kind of how the way he was almost revered as a guru in Manchester at the Tory yeah. conference. So, the, so he's in he's chiming with where they're going to be at, assuming they lose. And also, he's still around. He's very powerful. They'll be wanting, they'll be wanting to eat energy bars, you know. Yeah, yeah. After what may be a drubbing, who knows? But they'll be looking around for things they can do that show that they are fortifying. And recuperating and, and growing. Yeah. So I, I rule nothing out. And, and the other thing I think he's got on his side in terms of that that being a possibility is that all the bad stuff's already priced in. Yes. You know, it, there's nothing... It's very hard to imagine there's any more crap going to come out about Farage. We've heard it all. We know what he is. You know, if, if you like him, you love him for the reasons that you've already articulated, the affability and all the blokishness. If you hate him, you hate him for the same sort of reasons, the populism and the shenanigans and the devious nature of his communications. But it's already all priced all in. So if he's there as a candidate, soiled as he is, he might be a better bet for a Tory party to present to the nation a leader than a Suella Braverman or and a, you know, It's quite, quite possible. And also it would become a lot more feasible if Trump wins next November. Exactly right. Because he's genuinely, you know, in with Trump. Exactly right. And in with Steve Bannon, Trump's former strategist, chief strategist, who's not quite as influential with Trump anymore, but yeah. he is yeah. absolutely crucial to this sort of global network. And I think that what... 
you know, Farage is a, he's like the facehugger in Alien. He leaps on movements and makes them his own. So could he do that to a defeated Tory party? It's entirely possible. And mm. now, if you asked the current cabinet if that was possible, they'd all deny it strongly and say it was an outrage. You know, he's just a jester. It's yeah. not not, not going to happen. Yeah. But, you know, if politics since... Trump and Brexit has taught us one thing. It's that it is very foolish to rule out something that just looks like it, you know, it has a, a whisper of possibility about it. Yeah. It's all to do with taking an opportunity. And, and certainly the Tory party after an election defeat, and it's already acting, by the way, as if it's been defeated. That's and right. This was like an opposition conference. That's right. Will be very, very vulnerable to that sort of attack. Mm. By a viral entity, if That's you right. like. I read somebody talking about, you know, the big problem the Labour Party had in the time of militant, you know, when I was growing up in, in Liverpool especially, you know, was this this entryism. Yes. And now of course and, and with Corbyn, of course, you know, that was the accusation that that facilitated entryism of a much harder left spectrum. But it seems like it's a Tory party problem now that there's an entryist prospect from a far right candidate. Yes, and I think also that that you know, one thing Boris Johnson did in 2019 before he won the general election was he purged all of the old One Nation moderate Tories. They've all gone. Yeah. So, with a couple of exceptions. But, I mean, it really is a party that is now in Farage's image. Mm. It, it's almost like he doesn't even have... It's not doesn't even have to be entryist. Yeah. You know, because he's he's no longer... It's uh, like the Tories have entered Farage. Right. Yeah, he, yeah, they've yeah, gone to yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And I did think it was just so interesting. That that horrific, you know, scour your eyes with Dettol image of him disco dancing with Pretty Patel oh. to I Can't Take My Eyes Off of You. That was a moment. It was a moment because they had a former Home Secretary who harbours leadership ambitions herself. Yeah. Dancing derangedly with yeah. Farage. And everyone's having a great time. Where was Penny Morden with her bloody big sword at that time when we could yes, have used it? <laughs> yes, and, you know, poor Penny Morden. She did, gave a slightly strange it speech. It was slightly overdone, wasn't it? It was a bit. It was yeah. a bit Henry V. It wasn't um, just slightly overdone. It was hammed up beyond all. It was like a, hammed Alba, up like a pig farm. Al Pacino kind of... in any given Sunday, you know. Um, I mean, it, it's interesting because I think that bad contexts make for bad decisions. Yeah. And I wasn't there, thank God. Yeah. But... but Looking from a safe distance in, in the metaphorical bunker, you could kind of sense a, a kind of air of collective lunacy descending upon <laughs> the party, which it often happens before a party loses power in a big way. Which it is, reminded me of a bit of a kid's fancy dress party. Everybody yes. playing a part, you know, like she she was doing a sort of six form amdram thing and it got it hopelessly wrong. Liz yes. was doing her, I'm going to be a debating queen. And, and, and he was doing his kind of six form dissertation on why politics must change. You yeah, know, he's where are the bloody adults? Physics revision notes. Exactly. Out, so, so yeah, that, exactly, you know, exactly. No one ask any questions until I say so. Exactly. You know, otherwise right. you'll get more warm milk. Yes. <laughs> well, on that bombshell, we're going to uh, take a quick break and then we're going to return with, I think, what will be one of the most consequential questions of our lifetimes. Of our times. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So this week's podcast, as ever, is sponsored by The New European, which, if you don't know, is a weekly newspaper which was launched very quickly after Brexit, very much anti-Brexit. And it's an actual newspaper and also a fantastic website. And we are one of the fastest growing media titles in Europe, which is wonderful news, not least in part because of the talent we've got, including Matt Dancona. So if you enjoy what you're listening to, Matt puts that down in actual words each week, which is a fabulous And if you week. don't, there are plenty of other people. Yeah. We've <laughs> really got good. Alistair Campbell's weekly diary, which is always entertaining. We've got Bonnie fantastic Greer. Bonnie Greer, Tanit Koch from Germany, Patience. Will Self writes a... James Ball. There's a, and there's a ton of great cultural content as well. So if you're into the idea of Europe being a cultural entity, then we serve that as well with stuff that you won't read elsewhere. Great exhibitions in Hamburg or museums to go and visit when you're next in Prague, etc, etc, etc. So it's if you're a Europhile, I promise you, you're going to love it. And this week, I'm going to give every single new subscriber a special burgundy-coloured bollocks to Brexit passport cover, which, trust me, are fantastic fun and look great at any border control you're, you happen to be stuck at. Break the, um, ice, at, break the ice at parties as And well. definitely breaks the ice at parties. And uh, you can subscribe from just a pound a week. So for a pound a week, you get the entire digital offering on our great website, and that's seven years of archive as well. Or if, like me, you like to get your actual hands on the newspaper each week and get that delivered through your door, you can get that for just an extra pound a week, and that's a 75% saving on the price at the newsstand. So do something positive about uh, correcting the corrosive nationalism of UK media and become a new European subscriber. Just visit theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S. Enjoy. So, Matt, only one real question has shaken me to my core this week. Well, Sunak is preamble yeah. to the big discussion, yeah. which you, yeah. when you sent it to me, I, I, I thought this is initially, I thought this is amazing. Yeah. And but then I haven't been able to stop thinking about it ever since. When I've been meant to be thinking about, you know, Tory policies, I'm, and I'm exactly in the same place, and I'm I still, I'm st- st- I haven't reached a conclusion. No, I mean, I think we need to kick it about a bit. So, shall we go to the? This is Trump, Donald, Donald Trump. Trump. Talking at a rally, I believe, in Iowa. Yeah. About a very unexpected issue. Should we, should we play the clip? Let's play the clip. But if I'm sitting down and that boat's going down and I'm on top of a battery and the water starts flooding in, I'm getting concerned. But then I look 10 yards to my left and there's a shark over there. So I have a choice of electrocution or shark. You know what I'm going to take? Electrocution. I will take electrocution every single time. Do we agree? I will take electrocution. Just to put it into context, he's described, I think it's because he was talking about electric boats, wasn't he, for some reason? And he's got it into his head that if a boat sinks and it's got an electric motor, everyone gets electrocuted. At what range? I'm not quite sure. It reminds me of one of my favourite stand-up comedians, Jim Jeffries, said in the run-up to the 2016 election, the thing about Donald Trump is he's a lot of fun, right? (laughs) And... At moments like this, it's hard to disagree because he obviously is a terrible man facing 91 criminal charges and so on. But what came into his head to think that on the campaign trail, it would be good to raise this question? And first of all, you go, what an idiot. But then you find yourself lying awake at night thinking, do I want to be eaten by a shark or or electrocuted? Also, I mean, it it, it becomes quite profound, doesn't it? Because, you know, is, is a quick death in itself better than being eaten by a shark. Because I did think that if you went for shark, right? Yes. 
but you survived it. Imagine well, you would never have to buy a drink in town ever again. There's that. However, the so I looked into you know because we always offer yeah listeners data. Yes, <laughs> data. Data. Only nine shark related fatalities in 2022. Really, but how many uh, death by boat power motor electrocution? None, I'll bet. None. I mean, <laughs> I, I, that I I don't have data yeah. on. But the but the traumatic fact is that. Most, sharks don't attack human beings on purpose because we're too bony. Right. Right. So, you know, n- never mind Jaws. Okay. 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 And Quint, and we're going to need a bigger podcast, right? Oh, no. Um, they, they, they do it by mistake. Okay. Uh, unless you attack them, obviously, which is different. But the problem is what happens if they take a bite yeah. and go, you know, yuck. Right. I want a sea lion or a seal or... Uh-huh. You know. And then you go off and bleed to death, which is oh, not I nice. I see. Or yeah. you die of um, sepsis or sepsis. Unless you, unless you can do what everyone tells you to do when you meet a great white shark in the ocean, which is to apparently punch it on the nose. Yes, I, I've, I've always been a bit dodgy about I've that. I've always thought that probably punching a bloody big shark on the nose is suboptimal. But well, if, you know, if, what if do you've I ever know? tried punching anything underwater, it's got all yes. the force of a wet lettuce, hasn't it, by the time you get to... I mean, I have, I have swum with sharks and it is very with, wonderful. Not with great whites, sure. No, I no, no, no. What, in a cage? No, in, um, uh, in, in, you know, with scuba diving and everything. Have you and, really? Yeah, and it's, it's oddly serene. Because yeah. they, they don't, um, they're, they're, they leave you alone if you leave them alone, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and I've done it twice and it's, um, and I'm not, you know, by any means a, a sort of um, dangerous sports person. So, so what would you, would you then go for shark on the basis of that? No, I mean, I, I'm still tending towards electrocution right okay but yeah. having taken a straw poll i'm not sure i'm right because you know electrocution is extremely unpleasant yes and can take many 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 minutes and the idea that it's painless seems to me to be somewhat you know old sparky doesn't hurt seems to be somewhat <laughs> belied by the evidence right um, wouldn't, wouldn't the electricity spread out through the ocean well, if it was in the water, I mean, we're talking about... It's not about like being about, in a bath, is it? No. I mean, if we're talking about the electric chair... We need a scientist. We, we need Brian need a, we Cox need, on we it. We need Brian Cox, you know. Well, Brian, think if about, you're listening. The thing about books is they're dead big. The only metric I can find on this is that so horrible is um, in death by injection, which is the principal use of uh, means of execution. Have we now morphed onto capital punishment? Well, I don't, want, I don't want to get into the sort of cruel and unusual <laughs> yeah. thing, but what interested me was that... Electrocution is coming back a bit is in it? the States because... Back in fashion. It's very 2023, yeah. right? Because there have been so many botched yeah. chemical uh, executions and the the punters... Because they ran out of chemicals, the didn't they? And they had yes, and they're always dodgy and chemicals. People, yeah, and and yeah, yeah. apparently it's been established beyond some doubt that it is far from painless. It's, nice. very, you know, yeah. it's like being waterboarded to death. Ooh. So... You get to choose. This is the, I didn't know this. In a lot of states, you get to choose. Wow. Okay, so in t- Alabama, Florida, South Carolina, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Yeah. They say, "What do you fancy, Matt?" And what you would know, you? What would you go? Would you go for electrocution? I'd still go for chemical because I started st- because I, I can't believe it's. I'm scared of needles, though, so I would go for electrocution. That would be the last of your worries, believe me. Yeah. Anyway, back to sharks. Just before we leave electrocution, you know the greatest line is the, of the guy, and it's true this about a fellow. I think it was Andrew French being taken off to be electrocuted and as the sort of curtain was opened and all the reporters were there his last literally his last words were guys to the reporters he said guys I've got your headline French fries it's that got, is very yeah, good yeah it was good well, that's and grace then, under pressure and then he fried yeah and then he did fry which you, you do and you know yeah. your head steams and your yeah, ankles yeah, pop out yeah. so it's not very nice but um, to anybody still listening anyone who <laughs> thinks they've turned on to executioners are us right they haven't this is the two mats we're still talking about current yeah. affairs but i think we, the difference between this podcast and others is that we do wrestle with the difficult yeah. philosophical questions so i was still troubled by this so i thought right i'm going to go to chat gpt and find out what our future cyber lords have to say and lo and behold chat gpt was a bit narky with me so i said what is the least painful form of execution right chat gpt comes back dead like hal 9000 in 2001 says i'm very sorry but i can't assist with that question what imagine if you're on death row and you're turning for guidance so i thought i'll try i'll try and rephrase it so Mm. i said would it would it hurt more to be eaten by shark or electrocuted (laughs) and i thought i wonder if 
ChatGPT will buy it. And yeah. it did. Yeah. So here we go. <laughs> Imagine this coming from, you know, the I'm depths sorry, of man. artificial intelligence, right? <laughs> Both being eaten by a shark and being electrocuted are extremely painful. Brackets, do you think, right? And potentially fatal experiences. Yeah. Yeah. That's so clever. That you know, it's difficult to compare the two in terms of pain, as they are very different types of trauma. Yeah, thanks. Especially as I'm a computer. In our computer. In either case, this this is my favourite bit. In either case, it's best to focus on safety and avoid situations that could lead to such outcomes. This yeah. is the, the, the absolute killer. If you have concerns about your safety or the safety of others, please seek help and guidance from appropriate authorities. So that's what AI, which is apparently going yeah. to take over the world. Well, Trump was right then in that he case, was right. wasn't he? Because he was saying, I just wouldn't get in the bloody boat yeah. because it's going to go down and everybody's going to get electrocuted. That's but obvious. It, it, correct. But also, I'm slightly less worried about AI now than I was a week ago. Is there a serious element to this conversation, which is... Really? I think there might be. <laughs> I was trying to dig for one. The, <laughs> isn't this part of his... Again, we talked about Farage's affability. Yes. But his ability to play off the cuff, to ramble, to do a stand-up set effectively in front of thousands of people yes. and just throw a bit of politics in, just to keep the narrative moving, moving, moving. No one in a bar in mm. Michigan is talking about the Build Back Better Act. Or That's the, right. You know. That's um, right. But they'll have seen... Crazy Trump on TV, some of them. Yeah. And said, did you hear what he did this time? You know, Shocker Electra. And two hours later, with the Miller, you know, glass wreckage in front of them, they're yeah. still talking, you know. Yeah. Dwight, you're talking BS, you know. It would be a I, lot it's, better. It's interesting, isn't it? Because so, I mean, let's call it a sense of humour. Let's let's credit him and say he's got a sense of humour and he's having and he can make people laugh from time to time, for better or worse. And you look at our current crop of politicians. Yes. Both humourless buggers, both of them. Yeah, I don't think either of them are going to uh, win the, you know, Perrier Award. I mean, n- the neither, Festival, honestly, neither of them could get a laugh. And also, out of I think that both of them are worse than that, which is they're both earnest. Yes. And modern politics does not smile upon earnestness. You yeah. can be serious. Yeah. But you can't be earnest, and both of them sort of have this, you know, right? Everyone, calm down because we're going to be serious now, which is a, just a killer. Yeah. If you're trying to reach out, even if what you're saying is something extremely serious about, I get that you're struggling. I get that you're suffering. You know, this will be Starmer's challenge yeah. in Liverpool at their conference will be, can he connect with the way in which people are genuinely still feeling terrible about all sorts of things? Yeah. It's a big ask for him because that is not his, that's not his MO. He's a, he's an administrator. You know, he ran um, the CPS. He was director of, public prosecutions he believes in rulemaking rationality lawmaking all that which is of course all good stuff yeah but it isn't enough anymore and i wonder whether and maybe i'm reaching too far here but i wonder whether in 2024 we had a chat the other day about the new european and what a huge year 2024 Massive. is going to be because it is Who's going to win the Russian presidential election? Uh, yeah. Well, that's the we biggest don't... question. It's <laughs> a question on my mind. <laughs> right. It could go either way, Imagine Putin or Putin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's going to be an enormous year. And I wonder whether people's thirst for entertainment somehow influences their thirst for proper government as well. You know, And they want to be governed by entertaining people. Yes. I mean, there's a fantastic book that was written in 1975, I think, by a guy now dead called Neil Postman called Amusing Ourselves to Death. And he was really looking at TV, pre-internet. But he said, the problem is that what's going to happen is that politics is going to become a branch of the entertainment industry. Mm. And it reads so prophetically yeah. now. When know, was that written? 75. Oh, wow. It's, it's well, amazing, it's, isn't it's it? Come, and, and, it's come know, to so pass, yeah. That you, you have a situation where Trump is talking about sharks versus electrocution. Yeah. And Holly Willoughby is addressing the nation as if she was a you know, Secretary of State That's talking right. about the resignation of Phil. Yeah. Are you okay? <laughs> I mean, the, the kind of role swapping. It's all merged. You know, everyone says, oh, it's just like Reagan. No, it's not. Because Reagan and Schwarzenegger were Hollywood figures who became politicians. Mm. Successfully so. Yeah. But these are people who are actually entertainers. You know, Farage and Trump and Bolsonaro, by the way. When he and was, Johnson as well. And Johnson. They, yeah. are, they are showbiz. Yeah. That's what they do. And it says nothing good about the state of democracy that that's 
proved now to be a very reliable way of winning. Yeah. Because entertaining yourself into power is a, you know, is a dangerous route. But that, I mean, that opens up, and we haven't got time to discuss it now, but that opens up so many questions about our political system, which yes. is that if people are allowed to vote for the most entertaining guy on the block, and that becomes the way we kind of self regulate because we are our need to have a laugh is greater than our need to be secure and safe and and have a good economy and all of these important things you'd end up with something like brexit wouldn't you yes exactly (laughs) and we did and you know and might worse i mean it's interesting because after we had uh michael wolf on the program last week to talk about very well worth a listen if you haven't listened already check it out because he's talking about his new book on Murdoch but also about Trump and everything I I called someone I know in Washington who's a never Trumper and this person said you know apropos of what we've been talking about that the problem America has now is that none of the founding fathers as this person put it were jokers which is none of the founding fathers wrote the constitution 1784 I mean, they foresaw many, many, many problems. You know, they were, there's genius in that document. Yeah. But the one thing they didn't foresee was that television and now digital technology would turn statesmanship into pure performance. Yes. And you have to ask, you know, it's so vulnerable. Not, I mean, this isn't just the American Constitution, by the way. It's all, all political systems are now so vulnerable to this form of assault. And trust in politics is so low that it makes it even more dangerous because people think, well, politics doesn't amount to anything. Mm. It's not going to improve my life. So let's go with the guy who makes me feel good yeah. or who I might want to have around or I might conceivably have a chat with, which is a very, very, actually a very poor test yeah. of statesmanship. But it is at the moment yeah. increasingly the test. And I guess the last one here that you could point to who who had a bit of both, I suppose you would say definitely Blair, maybe yes. Cameron a touch. A little know. bit, yeah. Um, but since um, we've had either clown or yes. kind of straight man and, buffoon. You yeah. know, the, 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 the paradox is that Boris Johnson did more damage to the British political system through Brexit and then Partygate than anyone in you know recent memory. But he also, because that's a that adds to the rust already sitting on the political system and diminishes trust. It makes the system more vulnerable to yeah. people like him rather than less. I mean, I don't know if you saw the Channel 4 programme on Partygate this week. I haven't yet, but I'm told it's brilliant. It's, well, it, it's brilliant and it's it's sickening. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just, it, it I really do recommend it to people because it's a docudrama, well, well dramatised, takes some liberties, but not many, and interspersed with interviews with people who, real people who did suffer you know, indignities and huge fines in contrast yeah. to the politicians. And you think, what were they thinking? Yeah. You know, it really is one of those, I always feel with COVID that there's a tendency to sort of forget about what happened and turn away from it. But it's, it's good that the inquiry is now up and running. It's good that we have these things that remind us yeah. of the liberties that they took. As long, It's good as long as something changes. As well, that's the big question. Is, change. Maybe Rishi can change that. I mean, I think in COVID... He went through, he, Sunak, actually drew exactly the wrong conclusions, which is that instead of thinking, right, so now actually the state is going to have to do a lot more than it used to. You know, there he was with the furlough, which was the one successful bit of the whole yeah. government COVID Reaction, suite of yeah, policies. Yeah. He hated it. Yeah. Hated lockdown and came out of it thinking, right, we've got to stop this. It's time to contract the state, draw back, mm. get out of people's lives. Well, that is not, sorry, but that's not the series of problems that are facing the nation now. Yeah. Did have anything to say about social care. Unbelievable. Incredible. All right. Well, not the last time I'm sure we'll express no, amusement absolutely. about this government. What didn't we have time to talk about this week? Well, uh, I, I've been um, moonlighting, having fun at the London Film Festival. Oh, yeah. Which Wonderful. is terrific. And uh, one of the things I love most, and, you know, there's nothing, if you're a movie nut, there's nothing more fun than... If you're not a movie night, it must seem completely deranged, but sort of queuing yeah. 8 a.m. to go to a what screening. Are, what's the know. highlight so far? So far, um, I would say it's between the movie I saw this morning, actually, which is David Fincher's new movie, The Killer, right, with Michael Fassbender coming back as an assassin. Very cool, very good. Uh-huh. Smith's soundtrack, very, very interesting. And um, Sophia Coppola's Priscilla about Elvis Presley. Fantastic. Also 
Emerald Fennell's new movie, Salt Church. Is Have you, I saw a good film on much in much less kind of austere company on Netflix called Reptile. Have you seen that yet? It's very good. Benicio I, I, del Toro. I watched that. Did on, you on, on my recommendation. recommendation? I thought it was a great old-fashioned kind of thriller, cop thriller. Really excellent. Brilliant yeah. performance from him. First rate. Amazing screenplay and loads of great architectural shots, which always it's, turned me on. Yeah. It just you know really really excellent. The other thing we Wrong. haven't touched on is GB News. Well, the I meltdown mean, in GB the News. The meltdown at yeah. GB News is extraordinary, and I suppose reflects a problem, which is it's like a kind of it's a baby version of the crisis that Fox News has been through. Yeah, which is how far is too far? Yeah. So they sacked Lawrence Fox. Hooray! Which you know, I think they had to after yeah. the disgusting things he said about very good journalist Abe yeah. Evans. Um, they sacked Calvin Robinson. We, which, which uh, again, hooray! But I, I can't quite work out why they sacked him. Well, I think anyway, he, you know. I think he went on social media and said, you know, hands off Loza. Right. Okay. Right. Then the, the the drum the plot thickens because the cops go around to arrest yeah. Loza because of his um, alleged ulez. So this, so I've got a point on this, which is um, if they've gone round and raided Lawrence Fox's house. Yes. And I, you know, I can't, I've got no time for Lawrence Fox. You have to have hard stone not to Absolute laugh. Absolute tosser, right? <laughs> but if they've gone round and done that for uh, inciting criminal damage against you, Les Cameras. Why have they not raided Ian Duncan Smith's house? It's because he did exactly it? the same thing. He and said, if people vandalise those cameras, I'm on their side because they've been lied to. Again, you know, the gap closes, doesn't it? We think that GB News is out at the fringes and that people like Lawrence Fox are out at the fringes. And indeed they are. But there's someone who's a former Conservative leader. Yeah. Saying... Promoting, promoting you know, criminal damage? The same. And it's you know it's not it's not a it's not a crime when we do it. Yeah. Is, is, is or if you're if you're topic. sort of posh and respectable, it's not a crime. But if you're a sort of grubby weirdo on the fringes of media who's got a an arsy reputation, then you can go and five coppers. I counted in the video that I saw five coppers raiding his house. I mean, he will he will he will reinvent himself as a sort of um, thespian Alex Jones, won't he? We'll have a sort Christ. of ghastly Infowars version. I mean, he's, life, yeah. He does, I mean, he's, he's terrible and dreadful in every way and misguided and wrong, but he does have that kind of actor's energy. Yeah. You know, he'll disregard yeah. this as he's been rejected in the casting call, right? Yeah. And he'll come back, with, you know, because it There'll is be so, a crowd fund the means well. of production are almost zero cost now for the yeah. kind of thing he does. So he'll be back on YouTube or Rumble or, Somewhere, yeah, something like that. Or, so you, you know, know um, yeah. and it, they're all they love being. I mean, they feed off persecution. These people, yeah, you know, in the same way that Russell Brand, yeah, is in his own way feeding off what's happening to him. Yeah, and they're all piling in, saying, "Well, it makes you think," you know, conspiracies and all that. It's a very the, the, the sort of rules of the modern political game are very different. I I, I, I won't go ago. into this in detail, but there's a fascinating. There's a great podcast called Philosophize This. I don't know if you. I have heard it in the heard past, it. yeah, and it, by an American uh, student of philosophy. It's brilliant. So if you're looking for something a little bit even even deeper than the two maths in terms of philosophy, is, this is a great that's one. That's hard. But, but the most recent one is about, and it's a fabulous uh, episode, all about how our thirst for narrative is what's driving this constant news cycle that is so fast that none of us can pay attention to what is really happening, which is the bigger picture. And everything moves so quickly now that the bigger narrative about the fact that we've had 13 years of crap government and all of this, people don't latch onto it because it's all just bite, 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 bite. It's like episodes of soap opera. Yeah. Little bits of nuggets of story. And, And it's very difficult because politicians talk about narrative all yeah. the time but you're right i mean narrative can be lots of things it can be the future of the nation or it can be donald trump talking about sharks yeah i mean that that is that is a different world yeah. in which we now live yeah well listen let's make it part of the two mats mission where appropriate to try and take that bigger macro view yes. of what's going on the big story yeah i mean it's it, it's 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 very hard to keep your eyes on the big story now yeah so, folks, as a quick reminder, we are going to, from next week, do a fantastic second episode each week, which will be a sort of Q&A where we answer any questions you send in. And the email address to send in your questions to the two mats is two mats, that's the number two, M-A-T-T-S, at tnepublishing.co.uk. 
to Matt at tnepublishing.co.uk. And thank you so much for all of those questions we've already had and look forward to seeing what else you want to ask. Ask anything. A quick reminder of our special deal for uh, all new subscribers to the fantastic New European where you can read the great Matt Dancona every week and a plethora of star talent as well. Go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two M-A-T-T-S. And there's a link in the show notes. And every single subscriber, new subscriber, will get one of our wonderful burgundy-coloured bollocks to Brexit passport covers, which you can display with pride next time you're at a border queue. Thanks as ever to our producers, the third Matt, Matt Hill at Rethink Audio, and also Ollie. Thank you so much, Ollie. Ollie, you're going to have to change your name. Yeah. And until Deep next ball. week, until next week. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. Goodbye. goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.